Hello, and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21 Sports. Everything horse betting, sports betting, DFS, just sports takes everything right there. For sports betting on Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore. Free horse racing picks on Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. For free sports bets on TikTok at ETOF. What am I? At Etoff21. I'm going to start doing more stuff on TikTok. And I started a Twitch channel, guys. Yes, stuff is definitely moving. I'm going to start doing more media stuff. I am very excited. This year was great. I'd like to thank everyone that made this year possible. You know, I'm continuing to grow and everything. I'd like to thank Gino Bacala, who has me on this podcast every single week. Talking NFL. Talking NBA. Uh, the guys at Better Than Vegas for having me on. Every Sunday on the Fourth and Inches show, fucking love it. Love doing that stuff. Looking forward to doing more of that. And thank you guys for supporting me. Um, I'd like to say a big shout out to the people that are listening in Dublin, Ireland. I was looking at my analytics. It seems like I have a little crew in Dublin. So if those of you are that are listening in Dublin, shoot me a DM. I will send you some free merch. So. Those in Dublin, shoot me a DM. I'll send you an ETOF21 Sports t-shirt. Uh, that'd be awesome. I really appreciate the support out there. And thank you for everyone who listens and who tune, tunes in. If you can give a like, a review, hopefully five-star, um, that'd be great. Uh, in terms of today's show, great effing show today. Frank, Fantasy Theory Optimal is coming on. Him and I are going to talk through a DFS build for you guys. We're going to give you the players that we're going to use to build a lineup uh, for Sunday. And then a player I used to coach, Reed, who's a college quarterback, avid Bears fan, he's going to come on and he is going to tell you which Bears players, well, excuse me, which coaches he wants for the Bears, who he wants to be the Bears coaches. We're going to talk about that. And then Alpha, a.k.a. David's going to come on. We're going to talk about this analytic betting with college, basketball, with bowl games, and how much does he factor it in with all the COVID outbreaks and players sitting out and everything in the NFL. And speaking of that, I usually have five positions at least going into Sunday at this time. Uh, I have one right now. This week's going to be really hard. This week's going to be really hard. It's going to be really challenging with everything going on with these COVID outbreaks, games getting moved. And the only thing you can do is just, you have to wait. And I hate doing it. Like if I see a number, I like it. I want to bounce on it right away. And that's hard to do. It is really fucking hard to do. But you know what? That's what you have to do. I will be on fourth and inches. We're kind of hammering out the schedule right now. We'll have our Monday show as usual. We're going to have a Saturday show preview the Colts and the Patriots game because the Browns game has got moved. We'll have a show on Monday and a show on Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a loaded week of sports, loaded week of NFL and everything that's going on. So I'm looking forward to that. In terms of the Thursday game, oh, my God, where do we start on the Thursday game? Staley got too cute. Finally got caught up to him. How do you not take points going into the halftime? I have no fucking idea. That was astronomically a bad decision by him. Secondly, how do you not have Austin Eckler or Justin Jackson in the game? You have Josh Kelly stretches out. 
it fumbles the ball. And it's funny, when he was doing that, all I could think of is that scene from any given Friday, any even Saturday, every given Sunday, what the fuck am I talking about? When they show it, Jamie Foxx is talking, and that player extends out for everything for the goal line. But, yeah, that was the Chargers game. Uh, they kind of blew it. Mahomes, Jesus Christ, you see that pass from Mahomes. Falk, Chiefs looked better. The Chiefs did look better. I still think the offense would run a lot better if they had Williams in there being the primary ball handler. i not really buying them, though. I'm sorry. There's just something is wrong with them. They just aren't as crisp. Mahomes is missing some throws. And let's face it, Chargers gave that ball away, gave that game away. There was zero reason they should have won that game, but they won. And... It was a brutal for me. I had the Chargers plus the three. Favorites has been killing it. If you're a favorite better, props to you. That's not me. Um, I'm considering myself sharp. I've been told I'm sharp. And when constant public favorites are winning, which unfortunately they are right now, I'm going to lose money and that's what's going on. Um, in terms of basketball, I'll be posting my college stuff for free over at Better Than Vegas and Paint Picks. I'll be posting some stuff on TikTok. And oh my God, worst bet of the year, St. Bonaventures. What the fuck? Um, they're getting killed right now, 55 to 27. And it's funny to me, something that I've never understood. You know, I played basketball, pretty good at basketball back in the day. Um, this whole thing of just sitting on timeouts. Sitting on timeouts. Part of a coach, and I'm a coach right now, is you have to be able to manage momentum and make sure your team is in a position to win the game at that to win the game at that. And I'm not saying that St. Bonaventure could have won this game, but with how the coach handled the first six minutes of the game, the game was fucking over. His this coach and Aaron McKee did the same thing with Temple in the second half. He gave their team zero chance of winning. By how he managed the first five minutes of the game. As soon as Virginia Tech got out to a 6-0 lead, you call a timeout right there. Bring the troops in. Calm everyone the fuck down. You design your best play and you go get two. You don't wait five minutes until you're down 13-0 and take a timeout. That's just, that. that's astronomical. So you do that so you sit on timeouts because you think you need them at the end of the game. By you waiting, you gave yourself zero chance to be in a position at the end of the game to win. So that's like that's on the him. Any chances are, I'll be honest, just because most college coaches are bully middle-aged men, he doesn't realize that. He doesn't realize that. The St. Bonaventure coach, I guarantee you right now, doesn't realize he blew this game for his team in the first five minutes. But we got NC State pending. NC State starts in a little bit. Hopefully we can go kick that off. But like I said, we got a great show for you today. Let's jump right into it. So now I want to welcome on the show Frank from FTOPicks.com. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Theory Optimal. Frank, how are you doing this lovely Friday, my man? I am great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very, very excited to be on the pod. Hey, man, you know what? I appreciate you taking time. You know, I was a little last minute. You know, I followed you back and forth for a while. I, I love the content. I mean, 
it's real. I love UFC, and I mean, I really feel like you do a great job of pumping out UFC content, UFC picks. You've been hitting at a high rate. I have to ask you: we had one of the biggest upsets last week with Nunez going down. What'd you think of that fight, man? I mean, that was that was a very crazy fight, and thank you so much for plugging that content there. Um, we actually had a moment of silence on this week's episode, um, commemorating all the money lost on that Nunez fight. Um, pretty upsetting, but you know, we move on and it's a great card coming up this weekend. Yeah, it's a great card and I can't wait for it. Who knows? Like, it seems like everyone in the NFL is just dropping like flies right now with like injuries or COVID or, or whatnot. But you're here today. Um, basically we're going to talk through and we're going to try to give you guys like three guys to build around for your DFS lineup. We're going to be using the scoring on, um, DraftKings. And it's kind of weird, like, we're, we look at this slate right here, and it's kind of like all the top-tier guys, they all kind of have stuff going on. Like, Allen was in the walking boot, um, I don't, Lamar doesn't, it's Lamar's trending to not playing, so it's kind of like a weekend, like, we're going to have to go to quote-unquote, like, mid-tier or lower-budget dude. Um, what... Uh, Who's the first guy in the quarterback position that kind of that kind of has you interested in? I actually am all over a low price stack this week, and it's very true what you said. Um, a lot of guys just questionable, uncertain status. And I think that's great uh, for daily fantasy players in general. So it's going to create a lot of value at a lot of positions. But getting right to quarterback, um, I'm actually very high on Tua this week at 5,700. Uh, Playing against the Jets, I think he's just in a very good spot here. Um, one of the safer picks, especially at that price range. Somebody I will be throwing out in cash lineups for sure come Sunday. Yeah, two is in a great spot. I mean, the Jets are awful. I'm not, there's there's no other way to sugarcoat it. Um, the Jets are completely awful. Um, one of the guys I'm looking at, I I like Joe Burrow. I really feel like. You know, he's 6,100. He's averaging 19.7 fantasy points per game. And the main thing, like, I noticed is when he plays teams that have man coverage, he averages 11 yards per attempt. Against zone, it's it's down to 8 yards attempt. Denver plays predominantly man coverage. Um, I know they're fifth best defending the quarterback. But if you take Wilson, Lawrence, Goff, and Heineke off the schedule... They're giving up north of 20 points per game to the quarterback position. Um, I don't know. I really feel that Burrow's in a in a good position in a must-win game for the Bengals. Um, in terms, is there any other quarterbacks that kind of have your uh, palate wet, so to speak, for this weekend? I think Burrow's an awesome pick, and, and that's all great data there. I mean, the only other play I like at quarterback really is Kyler Murray up yeah. the, the top. I mean, sitting on a steep price to pay. Uh, but you have to love him in a matchup here against the Lions. He comes with a very high floor, a safe pick. You know, that rushing definitely helps a ton. Um, but I, I like to get savings where I can. So Tua Burrow, guys in that range are really who I like to target. Um, Jimmy G is a name I'll throw out there. Um, been playing well lately. Uh, playing against Atlanta defense, not so threatening there. Um but yeah, that's, that's really a short list for me this week. Now, let me ask you this. When you're constructing your lineup, like I totally agree with you. Like I'm a huge Lions fan. 
you probably don't know, born and raised in Detroit. Now I live in Chicago, which is really hard for me because like you grow up hating Chicago, living in Detroit. Now you have now you're working sure. in Chicago, so it's a little different. Um, my worry with Murray now is they may just kick their ass, the Lions' ass. You know what I mean? And it may go to like he may not be on the field that much. Maybe a run centric account attack. When you're making a lineup, do you factor that into anything, or do you just kind of go on your projections? Oh, no, for sure you have to factor in uh, game script, how you think the game is going to go. And I do make a lot of video content for these slates, and I often feel like a broken record talking about the importance of, you know, projecting the game and how you think it's going to go and picking players that correlate to how you script the game. So if you do think it's going to be a blowout, maybe you do look towards running backs um, in that spot or... Um, vice versa, if the team's going to get blown out, maybe you look for those garbage time wide receiver points. Um, but I'm very big on not just throwing out guys who project well, but guys who fit the game script. Now, you mentioned Jimmy G. I love Jimmy G. Like, I really feel like the Falcons' defense really isn't anything, you know, to be that fearful about coming home. Um, but on the opposite side of that, Matt Ryan, I think, is a little bit of a sleeper. He's a little deeper down. Um they're going to have to throw the ball. 49ers have some issues in the back four. Um, defense has given up 19 points per game. Matt Ryan's, like, at 16 points a game. And the Falcons, I mean, even if it's a close game, I feel the green script's good for them just because in a close game, you're, they're going to have to th- throw the ball because their running game is awful. And if they get behind, they're going to have to run the ball. So I think green skip rise it. It opens up, and if we pay for Ryan or Burrow or Garoppolo or Tua open up a lot of things. How do you feel about Matt Ryan? I think you're right about uh, opening up a lot of opportunity. I am a little hesitant about Matt Ryan. I hear what you're saying, and I think that makes him a good GPP option. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to give picks uh, that are going to win cash lineups. I think that's that's really where the money is, in my opinion. I like to win those 50-50s. I like to uh, win those cash builds, but... In order to win the GTP, you're going to need that contrarian play. And Matt Ryan, you know, could be very low-owned. He should be very low-owned. And at that price, I think it's, it's it's an interesting play for sure. Now, I really feel like you and I have never talked before. We've messaged back and forth. I feel, you know, this is unscripted. I feel the same exact way. I only play 50-50s. I will throw one, awesome. one lineup in the Millionaire Maker just because... I'm not going to throw 50 lineups in against a guy and his buddies, like, 2,000 lineups. You know, I'd rather have a 50-50, my best lineup against your best lineup, and that's what we do here. Like, me and Frank are going to give you our three players, and, like, you can kind of, like, put in who you guys want to put in. So, like, Frank and I are in the same mindset here. Um, Let's transition to the running back. Unfortunately, I got some bad news. I was looking for a low-budget option right before we recorded. Miles Gaston got activated. So my whole Malcolm Brown theory is out the window right now. So what are they I was looking at Malcolm Brown um because of the uh the Jets are really bad against the run, but Brown is out. So I mean I guess I can look to Miles Gaskin here, but my one worry is you don't know like how these players react when they come back from COVID. Like some of them it doesn't really seem to factor that much, but I really think Lamar Cam they had a hard time coming back. So I think Miles Gaston has a good game script against the Jets, but um, that would be the one gamble. Who's the first running back you're looking at? 
Oh, I think you're totally right. And I think you're on um, the right train of thought there when you're talking about trying to target these backups who are stepping into big roles for injuries or whether it be COVID. And um, so to answer your question directly, I'm looking at guys stepping into bigger roles. I mean, Sony Michelle definitely hits it on the head for me. Um, but honestly, beyond that, I'm trying to dig deep here and look for somebody who's going to step up for one of these guys who's questionable. Maybe it's A.J. Dillon. Uh, maybe it's Craig Reynolds from Detroit. Um, and then, uh, maybe it's Jeff Wilson from the San Francisco. I mean, throwing a lot of names out there, but I think running back is going to be a position this week that really you want to take care of after uh, 12 p.m. stick Eastern time on Sunday and really make a last-minute decision. Yeah, because it's so tough. You hit on the head, like, people are just dropping like flies. I love Sony Michelle this week um, if Henderson doesn't play. But let me ask you this. Hypothetically, let's say Henderson comes back. Hypothetically, let's say he's healthy. Do you feel that Michelle, with how he's played the last two weeks, has earned a 50-50 split with carries? So based on his playing time, I, I don't think so. I think that they trust Henderson. But, you know, Henderson's coming back from a positive COVID test. And as you mentioned with Gaskin, we don't know how he's going to come back. If he doesn't look great, if he doesn't feel great, I mean, Michelle could um, have a bigger role. I think you'd be more of a GPP play in that situation for me because you're taking on risk. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not too crazy about uh, Michelle outright winning a job in that situation. Are you? You know what? Me being a Georgia homer, I kind of am, but I totally get where you're coming from. You know what I mean? Like, I look yeah. at it like this, like, if he, if they valued him more than Henderson, he would have already been getting the touches before Henderson went out. You know what I mean? Like, so sure. the fact that he's been there all this time and he was still, like, 2B tells me that I really don't think that he'll overtake it. But, I mean, I have him in one league that I'm in the playoffs, and it's been a nice little, nice little two-week stretch with him getting some carries and everything. Um... I do like playing running backs against Seattle, though, and that's the one thing that's a little frustrating because Seattle gives up 27.2 fantasy points per game, 102 yards, but not knowing and that being a later game, it's like, it's just tough. You know, you can always kind of like, um, um, spacing on the word, like change your player out or whatever, but it's just, it's just kind of tough. Um, One of the interesting matchups, I'm really in on this Eagles team. They're running the ball like, over 40 times a game now in their last like six games the Washington it seems like they're just picking guys off the street to play defensive line because everyone's got COVID but on the flip side is it going to be Sanders is it going to be Gainwell is it going to be Jordan Howard is it going to be Boston Scott I mean who should I be looking for in this Eagles backfield I know we talked during the week a little bit or at least we traded some messages and I was I was flirting around the idea of, of a Boston Scott play um, and I do think that the pecking order there is Sanders, Howard, Scott. Um, but I'm reading the report right now, and it seems like it came out le- half an hour ago, and it seems like both Sanders and Howard are, are going to play. Okay. Um, so Sanders is probably going to be the guy. I do still believe there's a role for Howard there. Whether it be short yardage, maybe you sneak a touchdown in on PPP, but it seems like Sanders is going to be the guy in that backfield this weekend. Okay. Now, this is, there's no, like, the guy's hurt. He's had an awful season. I really feel he's in, was in a bad situation. 
But Urban Meyer is gone. This guy, James Robinson, was having a phenomenal year. For whatever reason, Urban Meyer didn't like him. He would bench him after the fumble, wasn't giving enough touches. He's 5,400 right now. Now, let, let's let's just assume the heel's okay. They're playing the Texans who have struggled against the run. Do you feel like guys like Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, James Robinson, that weren't getting any run, any love, any my under Urban Meyer, do you think like this could be a week just because Urban's not there? They're like, F you, Urban, we're going to give these guys touches? Or should we just expect the same old, same old? I mean, you can definitely... Um... I can definitely buy into that storyline of uh, of re-sparked energy there in Jacksonville. I think the players are all very happy that Urban is out. And uh, touching on James Robinson specifically, uh, he's someone I drafted in season long, someone I really believed in heading into this season. I think he is in a position to have a good week here, assuming he is good to go. Um, I believe Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde is already out for this game. No real concern about splitting touches there. Um, I know that the coaching staff um, said James Robinson should expect treated like an RB1 on their team. So 5,400, I think it's an interesting play. But again, kind of getting a, again, a broken record on your on your podcast now. Um, it feels like more of a GPP play for me because of the uncertainty. I mean, I'm really attacking, when I build, I like to build, attack high floors as opposed to high ceilings. And um, Robinson feels more like a high ceiling play to me. Exactly. So he would be more of the player pool, not of like the core threesome that we're going to try to build around. Um, let's look at some high-end running backs. I'm just going to m- mention a name. You tell me what you think of him. Um, sure thing. Harris from the Steelers. He's the most expensive guy on the board at 7800 I mean, he's having a phenomenal year. Um, the workload is definitely there. I think the only question is, do you have the salary and are you willing to spend that much on a running running back? Especially in a week like this, um, where there's going to be a lot of cheaper guys stepping into big roles. I don't know if I would want to pay that much for him, especially against this Tennessee defense. Um, but, I mean, the workload is going to be there. And as, and as a cash game player, yeah, I think, I think the, the floor is going to be pretty high. Now, the next highest guy, this is going to be a two-part question is Ezekiel Elliott. Now, he's a huge disappointment this year in terms of fantasy. Um, they're playing the Giants, so there is a possibility they could get out to an early league. Pollard isn't 100%. I, it's, I don't even know if he's practiced today and is going to play. Corey Clement got an increased role last week. So let's assume Pollard's not going to play. Would Elliott or Clement, any interest in either one of those guys, or is that just kind of another, another uh, GDP play? I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, and my biases are going to show here, I am a diehard Giants fan. I am a season ticket holder. Um, I am not a big fan of Zeke Elliott. I think his best days are behind him. I know this Giants defense is absolutely terrible, but you couldn't pay me to play any of these Cowboys running backs this weekend. Um, Trying to be neutral about it, I just think you can get Zeke-level production from a cheaper guy. I mean, it's kind of crazy, dude. Like, you and I have never fucking talked before. And it's like you and I share the same fucking brain. You know? It's awesome. It's kind of like you and I are the same wavelength, which is really good. Um, Now, the third highest guy, um, Joe Mixon. Any thought on Mixon against this Broncos defense? 
Um, I mean, I think he's worth consideration, especially if you're going to go to Burrow. I do like stacking players. Um, stacking quarterbacks and running backs are kind of less popular, but I do not shy away from stacking them together. So if you're trying to build with Burrow, I, I would not hate mixing uh, in a situation like that. Um, underwhelming the last two weeks, eight fantasy points, ten the week before that. Um, talent certainly there, but... Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to pay the price for that uncertainty. Okay. All right. So let's go back. Let's. You suggested Tua. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put Tua in our quarterback position. Okay. So we got sounds good. We got Tua at 5700. So now let's look at our running back position. Um, you know I mentioned Michelle. I mentioned Sanders. I mentioned Robinson. Is there anyone else you want to kind of put on the board to put it into our cash game build? Um, I don't know if he's a top guy, but one name we haven't mentioned yet that I just want to throw out there is Gibson from Washington. Uh, McKissick not supposed to play. Uh, Gibson did have an underwhelming week last week, only five DK points. Um, but I do think he's in a good spot here against Philly. Uh, we know Heineke's going to be out. It's uh, so a possibility Gibson takes on a large role in this one. Um, and the but nice, if I had to say, what's up? The nice thing about Gibson, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're is good. with how banged up with COVID and everything the defensive line is, I can see Washington trying to short the game. You know what I mean? And give Gibson a little bit more touches just so that way their defense isn't on, on it. So I, I, I like that Gibson play. Who, who else is on the table for you? Um, I think I said it already, but I'm really waiting until um, Sunday – Look at these questionable tags, see who's out, step up with a backup. Maybe it's A.J. Dillon. Maybe it's Wilson from San Francisco. Maybe it's Craig Reynolds from Detroit. Um, you're the Lions fan. Maybe you can speak more on him. But he could be in a great spot if Swift is out. Um, but if I had to build today, it's probably Gibson. Okay. Now, I'll, I'm going to put Gibson in. Before I put Gibson in, I want to ask you about Richard Penny. Huge game last week. Um, when I do my cash game builds, I usually like when a mid mid tier guy balloons out like that. I usually look to kind of fade him in the build I put together. A, do you do the same thing, or do you like look to to have stuff repeat itself? And how do you feel about Gibson this week? Um, you're asking about Penny, though, right? Oh, Penny, my fault. Penny, yeah, my, yeah, bad. my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. I was. I thought about Gibson again. My bad, my fault, my fault. No, no. Um, yeah, Gibson, I mean, geez, I just said it. Eddie really exploded last week. Huge game. I like to ride the hot hand. And I think that um, one of the big factors that I have to look at is the price. Um, his price has shot up $600 from last week. That's not really too much. I think that there's probably still good value on him. And I would expect his price to continue to rise so I would not shy away from playing him um, while you can still get him at 5,400 this week. I think I definitely think there's some good value on Penny heading mm-hmm. into Sunday. Okay. So we have two at quarterback. We have Gibson at um, at running back. Now, in terms of the wide receiver, let's pull up this wide receiver position. One guy I like, and I know he had his, the case of the drops last year, but I look at it like he's kind of in the Antonio Brown role of the offense. Big Ben always looks at him. Is Deontay Johnson? He's seventy five hundred. 
Um, he is one of the heavier price guys on the slate, but uh, he's giving he's scoring 19.2 fantasy points per game, 23 his last four games. Titans are giving up 35 fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers. But the main thing with me and Johnson is he's averaging 10.8 targets a game. And my whole theory is targets equal opportunity. So when you're getting looked at that much, you your floor is pretty good. How do you feel about uh, DJ? Yeah, I think you really hit that key stat on the head. Targets are everything when it comes to wide receiver. I definitely tend to look at that more than catches because opportunity is everything. Um, we're looking at 10-plus targets in 12 of 14 games so far. I think he's in a great spot and probably underpriced here on this slate. Coming up against Tennessee, only 7500 um, A fifth or sixth highest-priced wide receiver. Yeah, I think he's a smash spot if you can afford him. Okay. Um, who Who's the first wide receiver you want to put on the table to discuss? So I'm going to dig a little deeper here and continue my Tua stack with uh, Devontae Parker. Only 4300 this week. Um, Waddle is out or expected to be out at the least um, with a positive COVID test there. So if Waddle is out, Parker's going to be stepping into that wide receiver one role. 4300 for a wide receiver one. Stacks nicely with my quarterback. I think that's a nice little build. Okay. Um. The next guy I'm going to mention, and you you mentioned him earlier when we were talking, Debo. I mean, 21.7 points per game, and when he lines up in the backfield, because we don't even is we don't know what's going on with Mitchell. We don't know he was limited yesterday. Um, but if he lines up in the backfield, the Falcons are giving up six and a half receptions per game and 50 yards receiving per game to opposing running backs. He gets that rushing-receiving type combo. I mean, he's kind of centric of that offense. So I kind of like Debo. And I'm looking at it. He's 8,200, so that's the only reason I'm a little bit leery of him because he really seems like he's his price is a little bit too high right now. You know, I'll speak on that. I mean, I would probably prefer Johnson over Debo from straight fantasy perspective, but... Debo's certainly a solid play. Um, we talk about usage and volume. Um, maybe the, the targets aren't there, but when you add in his rushing attempts, um, you can certainly get to about 10 touches a game, um, which is great to see. And a, an interesting stat I saw in Depot the other day was that he leads the team in both receiving and rushing touchdowns, um, which is big, especially from a GPP perspective. You're really trying to hit those touchdowns in GPP formats. So I think Debo offers a lot from that angle. Um, yeah. Who's the next guy that kind of has you excited about this this Sunday? So I'm actually uh, looking at some chief receivers this week. I mean, again, a lot of injuries and situations um, causing guys to miss. Uh, Vance Jefferson is very interesting to me. Not likely to miss. Obviously, Woods out as well. Um, Jefferson has kept steady targets over the last few weeks. Um, elite in targets, but only three last week, but eight, nine, seven, seven, six, seven, the weeks before that. I think he's in a good spot here. Only 5,600 on the week. I think there's some good savings there. Um, but just to, to touch on his uh, teammate there, Cooper Cup, I mean, 
on a pace to be the highest scoring fantasy player ever. I'm not sure we should have skipped over him because um, if there's a way to fit him in, I, I would not be upset about it. Yeah, I mean, Cup is playing out of his mind this year. I mean, I and I'll admit it. I thought he was done. Like I, I, I did not have him this high at the beginning. I, I felt his relationship with golf was the reason he was doing so well. But Jesus Christ, dude, he's he's insane this year. Were you high on him this year? Because I completely whiffed on him. I will say I was not this high on him. I mean, I think I expected him to be more uh, even with Wood or Woods, but you know. He has exploded. I don't think anybody expected him to be the wide receiver one and player one in fantasy this season. I think whoever drafted him got really lucky. Um, Now, you mentioned Van Jefferson. Jesus Christ. I love this kid. I think he's so silky smooth with his route running. Soft hands. Um, the deep threat now. He's obviously going to see more targets with... Um, OBJ obviously out. I am actually running out in my fantasy football playoffs. I love Van Jefferson this week. Um, let me ask you this: Marvin Jones is forty six hundred. Lavisca Chanel is forty three hundred. I mentioned my whole Urban Meyer angle. Um, do you like? What do you think of those guys? Or is this just another GB, GDP dart throw? Who was the first name? I got Jones, and who was the other guy? Marvin Jones and Lavisca Chanel. Oh, so both Jacksonville yeah. wide receivers there. Um, probably more of a dart throw. I mean, they still have a rookie quarterback slinging it. It's not like that changed. Um, yeah. So the opportunity just may not be there. Uh, don't hate Houston defense this week at all. So I would prefer Parker. I mean, at 4,300, I mentioned him. I would like him above these two. Jacksonville guys putting the GPP, hey, throw them out there. So I totally get the stack, but my thing is I have certain guys that I effing love. And in the message you sent to me, one of the tight ends you messaged me, I effing love. And that's Gusecki. I think Gusecki is such an underrated tight end. I think he has the potential to be in that Kittle, Andrews, Pitts, Kelsey conversation for next year, would you rather have Gasecki in our build or would you rather have Parker? I can only pick one. I mean, I'm going with both, honestly, stacking them up. Stacking them up. Okay. You, you, you don't like to run a full stack like that? I would rather just have – this is how I look at it. Now, sure. I look at it like this, like – if I have Tua, then I get, like, production from everybody. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to guess who's going to get the touchdown or the reception. If I just take the quarterback, I just have everyone's production. I don't have to, like, kind of guess who has it. That's – I generally don't stack, to be honest with you. Interesting. I'm, I'm very big on stacks, I think. Mm-hmm. It's probably better for GPPs, uh, but I'm big on stacking. I like to take a quarterback and then get two of his teammates – at least with them at times three if it's a high enough a projected total. Um, but I am definitely going out of my way to get two of two as targets this weekend. Okay. Alright. So do you want do you want to put Parker in our stack or do you wanna go with a different wide receiver? Do you want to go Parker? I like Parker a lot this weekend. All right. So let's go Parker right now. So Parker's at forty three. 
So now we have how much we got remaining. We got 34 grand remaining. Let's go down to the tight end position. Um, now, Kittle's had two monster games in a row. Any love for Kittle as the high end position? I mean, Kittle, absolute monster. And I think if the salary's there, there's an argument to put him in. My only concern is that he was limited in practice. And I was talking about the last two weeks that this is what Kittle's capable of when he's healthy. Now there's a question on how healthy he is. Um, I am slightly concerned. Um, probably worth the gamble, but there is some concern there with that injury. Now, the next guy, one of my good friends, is a Baltimore Ravens fan. And his theory on Mark Andrews is this. Any big game, he disappears. They're playing the Packers. Let's look at it from two angles. You got Lamar playing, and then you got... Hudley playing, Huntley playing. A, do you like him if one plays versus the other, or not at all? Um, I would not shy away from a tight end when a backup quarterback plays. I actually like to pair tight ends with backup quarterbacks, uh, simply because backups end up throwing shorter. They don't progress through their reads as well, so they just take the dump off option, which is often the tight end right over the middle of the field. It's one of the easier throws to make. So I definitely won't shy away, generally speaking, from a tight end when a backup's in. Um, and you got to like Andrews for the targets. I mean, 11 last week, 9 the week before that. Back-to-back weeks with 10 before that. Um, I think he's in a great spot, and a lot of people in the community definitely project him as a top two or three tight end heading into the weekend. Now... The next top-tier guy is Kyle Pitts. Any love for Pitts this weekend or, you know, none at all? I like Pitts. I think he's extremely talented, but I think he's priced too high. Um, I project him as as my tight end 9 or 10 this week. So seeing him at tight end 3 in terms of salary, I think he's just a bit too high there. Same thing with the next guy, Ertz. Just not sure they're worth the price tag. Um, okay, so I I like I think Gasecki has some of the most undervalued hands in the NFL for wide receivers and tight ends. I absolutely love this guy. He's at five grand. Um make a case why I should put him in there. Gasecki, I mean, the targets are there, the talent is there, uh big week against the Jets. He had six targets last time they played. I just I think it makes sense with the stack. He's not my number one tight end in terms of just raw projections, but I think he ranks high enough, um, is priced below that ranking, and just fits in with what, the way I'm building. Now, you mentioned that. Um, who is your tie- top tight end this week? I still have Kittle up to the top. I do. I am worried about the injuries, but I mean, how do you not put him at the top? 37 points last week, 42 the week before that, 12 plus targets in each of those games, over 150 yards in each of those games. He's going to have to get the throne for me um, before I bump him down, especially with Kelsey obviously playing last night. I am. I'm keeping Kittle at the top. Now, what about someone like a. Rob Gronkowski. Oh, he's like, no, they play the primetime yeah, game. Saturday yeah, game. that's my fault. Oh, that's my Sunday fault. night game. Sunday night my game. fault. I fumbled no, that. No, it's okay. What about... I have a tight end I, I want to throw at you, actually, here. Now... As a, 
Oh, go ahead. My bad. No, sorry. I want to ask you, as, the, as a Lions fan, you know, we got that news that Hawk is going to miss the rest of the season. How do we feel about Brock Wright stepping into the top tight end role? Five targets last week. I mean, I really feel that Campbell just likes running the ball. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's hard for me to trust any single one of their wide receivers because, I mean, I know uh, St. Brown's had 12 targets in back-to-back weeks, but I just I just don't trust Dan Campbell as a play caller, you know, because I, I just really feel he's just going to run the ball and shorten the game. Um, he's That's a, fair. He's a good low-budget option, but, you know, you have – you have Campbell, who's never he's never called plays at any level of football, and he's completely taken over everything in terms of play calling, game flow, and um, orchestrating a game plan. And I just, you know, it's hard for me to trust someone that's never done that, you know. So that's that's why I'm leery about him. And I let me ask you this: like when I put together my build and everything, and I look at the tight end, I look at the tight end position like this. You got to pay up, get a high end guy, or you have to guess the low end guy that's going to score the touchdown. I think that's a that's a fair way to go. Um, and honestly, Brock Wright is somebody who I'm considering throwing in as a punt in the flex. I mean, I'm locked into Jaseki, or we haven't talked about yet Knox heading into the week. Um, but I think Brock Wright twenty eight hundred is interesting when you're trying to pay up for a guy like. Cooper Cup, when you're trying to pay up for one of those high-end running backs, or maybe you want to go with one of those more expensive quarterbacks, I think you got to try to find a nice little punt option, and he's one of those cheaper guys that um, I don't think is going to explode, but might be able to pay off on a points-per-dollar basis. So if you were to put him in, what would be your point, your point benchmark you'd want to get from him? Rock right. I mean, 2,800, five points last week, 10 the week before. Obviously, that was with a touchdown. You're probably hoping to get five to 10 points. If he hits 10, I think you're in a really good spot. I think yeah. that might be a high projection, but if you it's get, possible. Yeah. And that would open him up, you know. How do you feel about, because you mentioned put him in the flex, and I've done this a couple times. Uh Double tight ends, tight end flex with a tight end normal position. I go double tight ends often, I want to say. Um, I just think there's just often so much value at the position, uh, especially compared to wide receiver. We do have a lot of cheap wide receivers we discussed this week, so we might not even need to um, reach this low for that flex spot. Um, but, I mean, Friar Muse, great at 4,500. Big B, 4,000. I mean, there's a lot of guys down here. I mean, I think there's often good value with the tight end position. What about Ricky Seals-Jones? I mean, I know we got Gibson going, but, you know, is Allen for sure going to play or not for for the football team? Because Heineke is out with COVID. What about Allen, though? Is Allen out, too? Allen, Allen would be the quarterback. Yeah, that's a good call. I'm not so sure. Um, um, let me put. Because I know like Heine, I know Heineke is out this week. Right, they both might be out, and that's a good call. Um, I did say I I don't shy away from tight ends with backup quarterbacks. Um, I think Ricky Seals Jones is talented. I think there were weeks when I was higher on him than this one. Oh, um, is that somebody you're considering uh, sending out? I'm just looking at Schefter's tweet. 
Heineke and Allen are now both on the COVID list, meaning that they are signing Garrett Gilbert, and he's going to start. Gilbert was with the Patriots. So right there, that means to me, you nutted the running back position because this is going to be a heavy Antonio Gibson week. There's no way they're going to be having, um, whatchamacallit, be chucking the ball all over the field. You know, Gilbert chucking the ball all over the field. I think they're going to be pounding Gibson. So that's an insanely great call from you to put Gibson in that lineup. So I think Seals Jones is off the board for me right now. Um, what about what about? Um, I mean, you're you're a season ticket holder. Me as someone who's a Giants fan, but not really a diehard like you. What about Evan Ingram? This guy has caused me more headaches than any tight end in my whole life. Um, 3,100, playing the Giants. Any love for uh, Ingram or no? Uh, let me just say that he is probably the most hated player on the Giants when, you, when you're at the games. No one gets more booze. I mean, I think the guy's hands are made out of graphite. The guy just does not seem to catch too many balls that are thrown his way. I'm off of him. I mean, Dan Jones not expected to play. Um, Glennon has not looked very good out there for the Giants, just not playing well at all. Passing attempts are there, just not the quality of play at the position. So Ingram, Ingram, I, don't, I, I wouldn't say you could trust him this week. Okay, so you're you're pretty high in Gasecki. Do you want to do you want to roll out Gasecki then? I'm rolling with Gasecki. Okay. One more name that I'm looking at now, priced similarly to Ingram, for a guy who likes Burrow, would you consider uh, CJ Uzuma stack him up? See, I don't. The way I build, like I I don't do the stack. Like so, I okay. Like I. Because I want as much exposure because I know for me, if I get like 105, 110 points, I'm going to I'm gonna get my money back with a 50-50 contest. So I'm trying to get as much exposure to as many guys. But I do love CJ a lot. Like I said earlier, Joe Burrow, for whatever reason, just does a lot better against man coverage. And that's what the Broncos run out. So I really, I would like CJ if I didn't have Burrow. What about in that game, Noah Fant? Interesting. I mean, Vaughn's definitely talented. I think he is underpriced. I think um, there's definitely a, a cluster of tight ends right there. Uh, Fryermuth, Font, Fant, and Higby. I mean, Higby could be having a good week with um, all, the wider, all the issues with wide receiver they're having this week. Um, I think any of those three are interesting to me. Okay. So let's let's do this. Um I like Gusecki, you like Gusecki, let's put Gusecki in. So right now, our build is, we got Tua, we got Gibson, we got Parker, we got Gusecki. That leaves everyone with $2,900, $29,000. So that means you will have the option to pay up for um, uh, Cooper Cup, Nyjah Harris. Everything will just open up. Also, FYI, I Schefter just tweeted out NFL is now discussing switching Seattle at the Rams till Tuesday. So I wonder if that will now be taken off the board for the DraftKings. So we have to we have to remember that. So that's something to uh to monitor. Um Frank, I would like to thank you 
for coming on. By far, this was the best discussion I've had of any guest that has done this, so I really appreciate that. You were prepared. You knew your stuff. Respect. I do have one question for you, though. You mentioned the UFC card. I am a huge Angie Hill fan. I love Angie Hill. Oh, man. Is my girl going to get it done this weekend? Um, we put out our uh, pick show last night, and uh, I think you got to talk to my guy at FDO Combat because I have never met a bigger Angie Hill fan than him. He's confident that she's going to get it done. I'm a little nervous about it, but I, I back his picks week in and week out. So Angie Hill for the win, for sure. Uh, you hear to here, guys. Lock in that Angie Hill bet. Frank, A, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, all the plugs. Name them out right now, my man. I will, but first, thanks for having me on. and I had a great time. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Uh, you can find all my content at theopix.com, uh, Fantasy Theory Optimal on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We recently started up on YouTube, so... Pretty much anywhere there's social media, you can find us. Awesome, guys. Make sure you give Frank a follow. Thanks for coming on. And uh, hey, you know what? Hopefully this lineup caches and you and I will be popping some beer come Sunday night when we send each other congratulatory text messages. You have a good day, my friend. Sounds good, man. I'll see you in the morning. So now we're going to welcome on one of my former students. He played football at the collegiate level. So he will know what type of coach it's going to take to get Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, to the next level. Reed, how are you doing this lovely Friday, my man? I'm doing great, Eric. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about the Bears and hopefully give them some good suggestions on who they should hire next. So, like, you, you played quarterback at the collegiate level. When... And Fields, a young guy and everything, when you were making the jump from high school to college, what was like some of the stuff that um, was helpful to you in terms of your development? Yeah, so, I mean, I think a big thing uh, for Fields and me, and I think it's applicable, is at Ohio State, he, I believe, did not have to call protections. Um, And that was the same for me in high school. And that's like a huge adjustment when you make that jump and you have to start calling protections and recognizing blitzes. And I think you see that this year with the Bears. I mean, I understand their line's not great, but with how mobile he is, his sack percentage should not be the highest in the league. Um, And so I think that's a major, that's like one of the major things that may go unnoticed in quarterback's development is like recognizing stuff pre-snap and getting the protection right. And that's something that just hasn't been there all year for the Bears. Um, that was a, it's a big jump to make. And so somebody who can probably like help him with that or, um, you know, make it easier on him would definitely be someone that should be a head coach of the Chicago bears. Because obviously like this is the make or break it. You need to nut this higher. So that way fields is heading in the right direction and it can restore this franchise. Um, now let me ask you this. Okay. As someone that I've talked to and I've said, Mitch Trubisky is a legit starter in the league. Do you finally agree with me that the fact Trubisky was able to get Mac Nagy to the playoffs, not once, but twice, are you are you finally going to agree with me on that, or are you, are you still not buying the Trubisky hype? I agree with you as a starter. He's probably, I, I agree with you as a starter. I don't know that he's a high-end starter, um, 
but he'll win you games. And I mean, you know, you see this here. No matter who's at court, the Bears have the worst passing offense in the league. Um, Trubisky, as an N, as a former MVP, could only do, got the Bears to multiple playoff appearances while they were short lived. And obviously in 2018, their defense took up a bulk. The offense was not this bad when Trubisky was the quarterback. And like, people like may kind of forget that, but it was never this bad. He threw six touchdowns in a game once. He, I mean, he can play. Um, do I think he's a high end starter? No, probably not. But they do, they do need to nail this higher because if you have another three, four years of this offensive dysfunction, you're going to lose a lot of fans and a lot of faith. Now, I have my list of people I'd like him to hire and everything. And the first person I'm going to mention, so how we're going to work is I'll mention one, you mention one, we'll kind of talk it out and everything. Um, Eric Bieniemy. I really think he should have got a job right now, but you brought up an interesting point. The Bears already went down a Kansas City offensive coordinator path. Do you just think because of the nightmare Nagy has been that immediately takes the enemy off the table? I think, I don't know if it should take the enemy off the table, but I do think it's in the back of the Bears front office's minds. I mean, you went down this road, Matt Nagy was OC when they were putting up points with Alex Smith. Now, was he calling plays? Like, who knows? I mean, who knows, like, exactly the, you know, dynamic between him and Andy Reid and how much say he had. But our offense looks nothing like the Chiefs. It's almost a different sport when you watch the two. So are they going to go down the road of hiring another Kansas City offensive coordinator? I don't know. The fan base is scarred. I certainly am. And the ownership might be, too. So that... And while that may, may not be a legitimate reason, that's definitely something you got to think about. Um, you know, Doug Peterson was another OC. He won a Super Bowl, and I think he probably got a little – he was a little better coach than people maybe gave him credit for. Um, he wasn't, like, obviously spectacular, but he did win a Super Bowl. So, But he also got fired. So Kansas City offensive coordinators kind of have maybe not the best standing in the league right now, and that may be hurting the enemy. Okay. Who's number one on top of your big board? All right. Well, so number one for me is I think the most important thing for the Bears is developing fields. And this guy may – he's running an offense that's only – that got better every year until this year they've slightly regressed. Um, he likes to air it out. He trusts his quarterback. It's Brian Dable for the Bills. And my reasoning for this is is I have, like, some concerns, and especially with, like, how few he runs the ball. I mean, they didn't hand it off once in the first half against the Bucs. Um, but his development with Josh Allen, who when he came to the league, you know, looked like, you know, it was just an athlete with a big arm who had not really played the position before to now where, you know, they say, hey, you're going to throw 40 times, go win us the game. And, you know, against the Bucs, he, he was almost able to pull it off, and the Bucs are top team in the league. You know, last year he got him to an AFC championship I just think he, if he's able to develop Allen the way he can, de- if he can develop Fields the way he developed Allen, I think the Bears would be in a good spot. I know you have your reservations, so yeah. I this is my thing. Number one, one of my friends who works in the NFL, the comment that he made to me was, if the COVID didn't happen, Allen wouldn't have happened during last year when he should have won the MVP. Just because everything being shut down forced Allen to put the necessary work in, which was an interesting comment to me. 
Um, and I'm really not a big fan of the play calling. You know what I mean? Like you have to run the ball at the NFL at the end of the day. And I just don't think they run the ball enough, especially with a young quarterback. You know what I mean? You kind of want to run the ball, set it up, and just take a little bit of pressure off of them. So, I mean, I I, I don't I, – I think it would be a good hire, but I don't know if it would be the hire I would do. Now, let me ask you this. A lot of these teams, yeah. what they do is after they hire an offensive coach, they'd hire a defensive coach. Do you think they could go defensive-minded here? Do you think – since Fields is such an integral part of what they're trying to do, they're going to stay on the offense, like hire an offensive coordinator with an offensive background. You know, and they could they could hire a defensive guy. Um, I was looking, I mean, I was trying to find DCs who a lot of the like top defense in the league are coached by good defensive coordinators or, you know, either it's a head coach and they're not going anywhere or it's a defensive coordinator who's, you know, been a head coach before. And, you know, that's not a bad thing, but if they failed as a head coach, you know, i.e. like Todd Bowles, do you want to go down that road? And so well, I wouldn't mind it if you get the good OC, but... No, nah, because my next candidate is a DC. I'm going to go with Don Martindale, the DC from the Baltimore Ravens. He's made that defense great. I feel you hire him, and then you hire Joe Brady, who I felt got an insanely raw deal with the Carolina Panthers. And the reason was this. In the Brady offense, you need a mobile quarterback. They did not. They had Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold and a washed-up Cam Newton. That's not a mobile quarterback. And I know for a fact that um, Brady didn't like the personnel choices they made and had zero say in the personnel choices. And I'm also hearing that the quote-unquote firing was more mutual than anything else so if you bring in like a Brady to run the offense and then you bring in a defensive-minded coach like a Martindale I kind of like that pairing what say you yeah I mean I would I would also love that I I don't know if you if Brady is necessarily ready to be like a head coach um but if you got him as an OC like he's like get on him early because I think he's gonna get looks eventually. I also agree you got a raw deal in Carolina. I mean, it's no one's going to look good calling plays when Sam Darnold's your quarterback. And that's just a fact. And so, yeah, I, I would I would be totally supportive of that. It's The thing is, if you get the defensive guy, are you going to be able to get intrigue from a good OC is uh, one thing. Yeah, I mean, I just... I don't know. Like I, I think I think you'll be able to. Who's the who's the second guy on your list? Alright, well my second guy would be uh Byron Leftwich um, from the Bucks. And I've got a couple reasons for this. His back also one is the development. The guy played quarterback in the league. Um and so he can help Fields. I and so I think he can develop Fields as well with Dable. And also that offense, and while I know they're loaded with Brady the past couple of years, even when Jameis was running it in 2019, they were third in total offense, and they scored about 28 a game. Um, and so, you know, he didn't have time to really develop Winston. Winston was in his fifth year, and that was his first season as OC. But I think he would be a good head coach, and he's called a good, a good offense, for the box recently, and I don't know. I just like 
I like what he's been doing. Okay. Now, my next one, let me now let me throw this one at you. Um, what about Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern? Um, you know, college coach, nothing but success. Um, a lot of these college coaches do like to take the step up, but I don't know if the Bears would do that, seeing what a cluster Urban Meyer was. And I really feel that's unfair to Fitzgerald because everything that I know, Fitzgerald is way better of a quality of person than an Urban Meyer is. What say you? Yeah, so, I mean, I like Pat Fitzgerald. He's done a great job with Northwestern. Um, I think it's kind of the same thing with Martindale. You get Pat Fitzgerald as head coach, you also got to get a good offensive coordinator. Um, I mean, I know it's hard to get guys to Northwestern, but, you know, they had a five-star transfer, and, I mean, he's probably just not good. But their offense has always been kind of weaker than the defense, so you'd need a good OC and I do think the Urban Meyer thing plays a role. I mean, I think, like, the big-time college coaches who succeed at college don't always succeed in the NFL. Um, I mean, even Nick Saban, who's arguably the greatest college coach of all time, was out in two years. Um, so I think that's a major, major thing that the Bears will take into consideration. Now, another college coach, what about Ryan Day? Uh, I I mean, I'd like him being paired up with Fields. I mean, Ohio State's, like, coach well. Um, the, the, thing, the thing with all these college coaches is, is are they better, like, you know, the NFL's and X's and O's business. I think college is more so recruiting. Um, is he a better play caller or recruiter? Um, college, I mean, Ohio State's this year, they've got, you know, three stud receivers, Offense hasn't really dropped off. I obviously like him as a coach. Is he ready to go to the NFL? I just, I just, I would, I would have serious reservations if they hired Ryan Day. But I wonder what you think about it. I would too, just because I really feel like how this Urban Meyer thing went down, just through association, I wouldn't want it. But it is interesting because he was his college coach and Fields does like him and had success. And I really feel like like we, we you and I both agreed earlier, um, you have to make sure Fields is on board with this hire. This can't be someone that Fields doesn't doesn't get along with. You're looking to like have that Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid type marriage. You know what I mean? And that's why this is so key. Um, who's the next guy on your list? Yeah, so my last one's kind of a dark horse. You may not love it. Um uh, but me and one of the guys I live with absolutely love this guy. But I will say, like, kind of on your point, Fields would have to bond with him, um, kind of like that Mahomes, Andy Reid. But, but it's uh, Jeff Brom out of Purdue. And so I got a couple of reasons for this. I think this guy gets so much out of his players um, when he really, like, they just don't have the same talent as a lot of other teams. And, you know, if you watch them this year, they went into Iowa – And I know Iowa's not like, you know, Alabama or anything, but Iowa's got some good players. They, you know, went in, or they at home hung 40 on Michigan State. They were able to put up 31 on Ohio State. And they're doing this. They got one receiver, David Bell, who's solid. um, And then they have Rondale Moore a few years ago. I don't even think he was the coach when they beat Ohio State that year. Um, 
and then they like a tight end go to the Rams. In their quarterback play, you know, the guy right now who's looking like unbelievable, he was a walk-on down the road, Lincolnshire Stevenson High School. Um, I just think his, like, I've watched them a bunch because I've been, I pay attention, I'll watch them against Michigan State or Iowa because Purdue's always looking to give somebody an upset alert, and he schemes guys open really well. I think he gets a lot out of quarterbacks that, necessarily aren't like five-star recruits or going in the NFL draft at all. And so I think it'd be an interesting hire, maybe even just as an OC, but I think he's a good football mind. And I think he gets a lot out of not that much at Purdue. Now I could totally see that. It's going to be interesting to see if he wants to make the jump. Um, I know that, you know, he is pretty loyal. He has had some pretty good job offers, but he's passed them up. And he's kind of stayed at Purdue, so that that's an interesting out of the box hire. So I I could I would like that, but I re- like you said, I really really feel it's up to Fields to bond with them. Um, my next guy, now obviously, you know, keeping in mind, you know, you want someone to develop Fields, uh, Joe Lombardi. Uh, he was the quarterback coach down in the Saints. He's come out to San Diego, not San Diego, Jesus, excuse me, Los Angeles, where he is with the Chargers. He's their OC. Um, You know, he, the offense looks good. Um, There are some questionable play calling at once, but I really feel like you pair him with like a Joe Brady. And I really feel like those two could tutor fields and put him in the position that he could be successful. Um, let me let me ask you this real quick. You know, as a former college football player and everything, and I was someone that had the Chargers plus three last night. Um, what did you think of the play call to have Joshua Kelly in at the game? Like, like what? Like what? What did you oh, a? a what did you think of that play call? And B, why was it Eckler or Jackson in there? Why did you have your third string running back in there? So, I mean, like, I, I mean, you're on like the two or one. I, you know, I'm never really two against uh, running the ball up the middle. I mean, like, if you can, if you think you can get it, you can get. It. I know Eckler was a little banged up, but I mean, just put him in the game. You know, I think what I do think that play, um, it it totally impacted the game, but, uh, you know, and. I don't, I don't know why Kelly's in, honestly. I, I really can't explain it. <laughs> like, Jackson's been gashing him all game. Um, and Jackson had 87 you know, yards. Like, they both had 12 carries. One of the better backs in the league. And I believe on a third and goal after, Eckler just took one in easily. Yeah. It just, it was, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. It was, it was, that was a brutal loss for me. But anyway, um, back to my thing. I like Lombardi. I think. He's ready for it. Oh, for a, for a chance to be a coach. Um, do you think they would go to Lombardi, or do you think it could be another thing? Like, hey, you know what? He kind of has some Matt Nagy vibes. You know, I think you do have to be careful with guys who's. And so, like, I guess this is kind of this kind of goes against my left witch pick. But you do have to be careful with guys whose offenses look great when they also have a good quarterback. You know, I, 
Herbert, I mean, I don't, I don't know what your thoughts on him are. I think he's like the real deal. The guy, he's, I think he's top five already. He makes throws like no one else. I mean, like he's got a special arm. It might, I think it's best in the league. I'm not kidding. He's so good. And so, you know, I mean, is Lombardi calling the right plays? Like, sure. But also, like, he's got Josh Kelly down on the one-yard line. Yeah, that was a, a little interesting. Um, Reed, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your Friday to come on the podcast. After the Bears have obviously fired Nagy and replaced and replaced him with a coach, would love to have you come back on and, um, you know, just kind of tell your thoughts of the coaching hire and everything. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me, Aaron. All right, sounds good, my friend. We'll talk soon, bud. So now we are going to welcome David, a.k.a. Alpha Analytics 21, back to the podcast. David, how you doing today, man? Good, brother. How you been? Dude, you know what? I almost have all my Christmas shopping done. Almost have it all done. This is going to be a, <laughs> the earliest record for me in the world, so I'm doing pretty well, man. Um, can you believe... You you're doing better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like... Thank God for Amazon. I thank God for effing Amazon. I am doing actually pretty well. Uh, it's a great time of year. You know, we got college basketball, we got college football, we got NFL going on. So I decided to have I, I reached out to you, see if you could come on, and you know, we had a great conversation about everything you do in the in the betting world uh, with NFL games about a month ago. And so now you're going to come on. We're going to talk a little basketball, college. Talk a little college football, talk a little NFL. With college bowl games starting today, let's hop right into that. Let's let's talk some college football. We got a couple games going off tomorrow. We got my UTEP, Minor Nation, my favorite team to bet on is going tomorrow. Um, tell us about how you attack bowl games, because bowl games are a little bit different than the regular season. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I... I I like kind of leading out with it, you know. It's I I like to kind of lean into college football when you know you take away all the home and away factors, right? And the biggest thing that people need to always obviously recognize is that within football, you know, you really do have that home field advantage. And you know, when you don't have that available to yourself, then all of a sudden it's like, man, which way do you go? So I actually do factor that a little bit differently in terms of my lines. Um, I take away the home away factor completely. And just knowing that it's a neutral site and, you know, just seeing kind of like their performance over the last, you know, maybe like three or four games, because some of these teams are obviously sitting, getting some rest. They've, you know, championship week was what, like two weeks ago at this point. So it's like a lot of, a lot of, you know, dead space, if you will, before, you know, they're keeping with the rhythm of everything that they need to do to get into their actual bowl game at this point. So definitely a lot more considerations to take into play uh, when it comes into those, you know, those teams and such. But UTEP, UTEP's your team? You know what? I I like Michigan State. Um, UTEP is probably a team that I've kind of fell in love with this year just because, you know, I had some futures on them, um, made some money on them betting them. And I'm not going to lie. I I have them locked in at what do I got? I got plus thirteen and a half, and I sprinkled a little bit on the money line. Now okay. I'm I'm going to tell you my reasoning for betting for betting UTEP against Fresno State, and then you tell you, you tell me what you have. 
Number one, I really feel UTEP is going to be highly motivated. They haven't won a bowl game. I believe it's like 25 years. This is their best season by far. They have a chance to cap it off by winning this bowl game. Fresno State, they lost their head coach and offensive coordinator. Both went to Washington. And their quarterback, who initially committed to Washington and was there, transferred to Fresno State. He said, hey, I'm out. I'm following these guys. I'm going back to Washington. He entered the transfer portal or whatever it's called. And then when they found out, he found out that he couldn't get a waiver, he decided to go back to Fresno State to be on the team. And there's all these banners. There's even a banner hung on the goalpost inside the stadium calling him a traitor, calling him a quitter. He's backed out. They have a first year. This this coach that's going to be leading them has never been a head coach of anything. They have a first-time play caller. And that's a lot of questions on the offensive side of the ball. And UTEP is a pretty sound defensive team. I really think there's just way too much. And you have a team that's motivated, a team that has a lot of people doing a lot of stuff they've never done before in a situation. And you don't even know what's going on in the quarterback room. You don't even know if this guy's going to start. I just figured 13 and a half. It was a great number, and that's why I locked it in. You know, actually, uh, so I love your points there. And something that I kind of monitor from when I initially, you know, when bowl lines are released is I, I track line movement, right? So I usually try to see if that's in favor with my model and, and where my lines are. And, and currently, you know, I, I had Fresno State still uh you know favored favored to win um so like you know i don't i don't bet on teams just to just to cover i bet on teams to win outright like so i really love looking for those teams that are that true underdog and i'll tell you right now that line movement is in favor of utep um it actually has moved from like 12 down to 11 11 and a half in some places and so you know that very slight adjustment but it has moved in their favor. Now, for me personally, I think as uh, you know, as we've talked over you know uh, any of our any of our time with any of your podcasts, like you know, I kind of base my my decisions based on the numbers of how big the spread is that I'm seeing between my projected line and the books line, and you know, I'm only seeing like a four and a half like spread difference. So personally, that to me tells me go with the dog, go with UTEP, like. You know, because honestly, you're not getting enough to really see if like teams are going to cover two touchdowns, you know, that easily uh, come these bowl games. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw some tread where it said that the bigger the number, the less likely it, the team is to cover at the beginning of bowl season. And I, we yeah. kind of saw that today with Middle Tennessee State. I didn't have any action in the game, but they. I think it got up to 10, and they straight up beat uh, the Toledo Rockets. Um, oh, yeah. Another game I locked in, and I'll ask you about this game for college football. Okay. I locked in Marshall plus five, and it's kind of kind of along the same lines. Um, Louisiana, their best defensive lineman when it comes to stopping the run, he's not playing. Their running back, primary ball carrier, he's not playing. Napier is is gone. You know, their coaching staff, you know, you really don't really know like how motivated they are just because they're not going to be there next year. You have Marshall, everyone's basically playing, everything's coming back. Um the 
And more importantly, Marshall's QB is actually playing in the game. He's not sitting this game out. And I just kind of feel like they're a little bit more sound on the ball. They'll have more of the people that have played throughout the year playing. And there's a key person on the defensive side, key person on the offensive side, and they're missing their coaching staff. That's why I'm playing against Louisiana. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm right there with you, man. Like, uh, actually, again, this is another line where the line used to be sitting at five and a half uh, for Marshall. However, my numbers, excuse the dogs, we just had the door go off. Um, the, uh, um, but at the same point, the, uh, the line has moved down in favor of Marshall. And at the same time, my line, the projected line, is showing a cover by Lafayette. Like by Louisiana, by a big spread. Like oh, this really? could actually be one that I look at them and go, "I'm still going to play them just because the spread total is so so much in their favor based on overall defense and, and offensive combined." That you know, that's it's in a good place. Now, that's so I would go the opposite direction is what I'm saying. Like I go against that line movement, just seeing the numbers being that much more favorable for Louisiana. Interesting. Now. I have to ask you about now. I'm not going to have any stake in the game because I don't. I don't bet Michigan State in a bowl game. They're playing Pitt on the 30th, and it looks like I'm going to be actually be going to that game. Um, the line is all over the place. Opened up at I believe Pitt laying for. Now it is Michigan State laying to all because Pitt's quarterback isn't playing. Am I going to have a repeat of when I went to when Michigan State played Alabama and they got waxed, or does do my boys in Michigan State actually have a chance in this game? Let me take a look. Uh, so Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, again, another one. Uh, the numbers are so much better for Pittsburgh, just yeah. overall. Um, you know, and, they, and they're obviously coming off as conference champions right now. Um, you know, there's a lot for me here where I look at Pittsburgh, and they're a small dog. I mean, I, I got to go back and look at the line real quick and see where they're at um, overall. But they, uh, let me see here. They have a, I don't have like the full line here for myself, but the spread that I had was one and a half, like looking at it early on. Um, I got them favored by almost 20 points difference Now, Pittsburgh. how much does your stuff adjust for, like, players opting out and everything? Well, you know, that's, yeah, I'm doing it by an overall team thing, so I don't have it um, so much from the aspect of, you know, players opting out. But I do look at that, you know, like, I'm not going to bet something a week out, you know, or whatever, especially with all this COVID stuff going on around us and, you know, it's just smarter to wait on those plays and actually see how those lines are adjusting and everything else. And, you know, I, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to just say, like, you know, what that looks like. Um, but, you know, you pretty much do have to almost wait and, like, go right up to game time and, you know, take a look at this um, from that aspect because, you know, without without seeing, like, who's uh, who's available to play and who's actually going to be sitting out, it's, it's really a harder decision to make at that point um you know from pittsburgh's perspective i don't think i've seen i usually watch and wait and see if those news um uh is going to be okay um 
you know, for, for everybody to be in the game. I mean, if there's key offensive players, that's what I'm trying to look up. Just, you know, trying to use Twitter or anything else to try and really understand, like, you know, who's, who's the beat writer that's really following the team to the level that we would actually have that better insight to really get down to that level of detail and, and understand that impact to that game. Because overall, it shouldn't impact their defense, but it might impact their offense. And, you know, I always like to say, you know, best, best defense is a good offense, so... That's kind of where I come from with those with those kinds of decisions for myself situationally. Now, there are two big games. Obviously, we got Cincinnati against Alabama. We got Georgia against Michigan. Now, I'm a huge Michigan State guy. Effing hate Michigan. Um, <laughs> I have not put any action on these games, but this is kind of where my head is. Um. I really feel like Alabama needs to be able to run the ball. Um, their offensive line really looked bad all year, looked a lot better against Georgia. If they can get that much protection and are able to run the ball, I think that's gonna I think they'll be able to steamroll Cincinnati because I don't know if Cincinnati's offense is gonna be able to generate points to cover that big number of thirteen and a half. But I feel that Alabama's not going to be able because Cincinnati does have two players in their back four that are going to play in the NFL to be able to run, oh, yeah. to throw the ball on them. I think it's going to be more of a ground-based attack. So I'm kind of leaning under in that game and not really a total. In terms of that game, with your model, kind of where is your head at? With Cincinnati game and yeah. against Alabama, I right. got Cincinnati 13 and a half. Okay. And I got them covering, I got them not only covering, but winning outright. Ooh. So, yeah, I got them winning by almost 10 points, oh, um, wow. according to my projection. So, you know, I, it's those are those kinds of games where, you know, I find the dog and I, you know, and I looked at Cincinnati hard, um, you know, just overall, just in terms of saying, man, like that's, that's a possible one because that's like almost a 16 point or excuse me, like almost a 20 point flip, um, you know, between what the book line is and what my line is. Um, you know, that those are those ones that I'm like, well, that not only is it showing that they'll cover this shows they're, they're going to win. Um, you know, the book total is sitting at 58. I'm projecting like 64. That's just, too low of a number for me to, you know, sit there and go, yeah, that's something I want to get behind and actually support. But, um, yeah, that game itself specifically um, for for the spread, I got Cincinnati covering on that one for sure. Okay, all right. And then, oh. and then the other one, the other one you mentioned real quick. You you also mentioned Michigan and Georgia, and I know you're a Michigan State guy, so I don't know you love to hear this, but I got Michigan. Oh, um, oh, again. Uh, <laughs> you know they're they're also shown to be and based on overall defensive offense and everything else they're they're looking like they are going to be a favorite to win by a touchdown like yeah, almost easily so again it's like a 16 point you know delta that I'm seeing between the book line and my line and I'm like well that's something I could get behind as well as the total total was sitting at like 44 at the time that I did this I'm I don't know what the, it may have moved to, you know, um, recently, but the uh, but I had that more in a projected total of fifty-eight, so almost the fourteen points completely over um, on that one as well. 
Okay. They could see a lot of offense in that game, and uh, and yeah, kind of leaning with Michigan right now. See, my thought process with that is, I don't know. I really feel like the way to attack the Georgia defense is what Alabama did and throw the ball. But with Harbaugh being such an old school dude, I just don't know if he'll do that. And that's kind of like where I'm at right now. I just don't know, is he going to do that or not? Um, So I don't know. Um, I don't think because I am that type of guy, I can actively back Michigan in this situation. Just because if that happens... I will never hear the end of it from all my friends. I'll just, you know what I mean? Like, I'll, I will, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, for me, that just may be, hey, you know what? Like, play the over and just hope for a high-scoring game. Like, it's there's just certain certain things, like, I just can't do. And taking Michigan in that game is I just can't do it. Um, right. Now, I have a couple basketball games circled I want to ask you about. Um, in terms of college basketball, I always love fading a team after they have a big win. Obviously, one of the bigger wins happened was when Notre Dame defeated um, Kentucky a couple days ago. They they host Indiana. I'm looking on bet stamp right now. Unfortunately, there's no line posted. Where do you have the? What do you have this game game projected at? Indiana at Notre Dame. Indiana at Notre Dame. Let me see here. They're playing at Notre Dame, right? I believe so. Yes, Notre Dame at Indiana. Yep. Okay, so Notre Dame. I oh no! Excuse Indiana. me. I I I am sorry. They're actually playing. In Indianapolis. Oh, are they? Is yes. it a neutral site? Neutral site, correct. Okay. In that case, I mean, either way, I don't care which way I flip it. Um, you know, whether, but neutral site, take away the home home field advantage of everything. Um, you know, that actually flips these numbers into Indiana's favor. Um, and I got them by a double-digit favor, actually. So, sitting at about a... 13 point spread if they were away even if this was at Notre Dame they'd still be sitting with about an 8 point projected uh, overall spread total points in the game looking about a 140-143 okay alright now another angle I always look at is I like fading teams before they have a big game in college basketball now Louisville, Kentucky, always a big game. Um, so the first question is, we have Louisville at Western Kentucky. At good old yep. EA Diddle Arena in Bowling Green, Kentucky. <laughs> you know, I, I still got Louisville winning. Okay. Um, by, you know, like a couple points. It's going to be a little closer. Um, I don't know what the book spread is on that right now. I Unfor- haven't looked Unfortunately, there's nothing out yet. Like, I, I got, I got, yeah, I got okay. the, so it's kind of hard, right, you know. So it's not just me. Yeah. <laughs> I was just making sure. So basically, just to review, you have Indiana, you have them winning by about 13. You have yep. Louisville by what? Three? Two. Two. Right. So Louisville, 
too. Um, on the flip side of that, we have a we have a pretty unique situation going on in, with um, Kentucky. Kentucky's other team, Kentucky, has Louisville coming up. Of course, that's their big rival, Battle of Kentucky, whatever. They were originally slated to play Ohio State. Now yep. they are playing, and I was really hoping they were going to play Ionia because I would have hammered Ionia. But they're playing North Carolina. Um, now, where do you a where do you have this game um, capped at? Where do you have it at? It's a neutral game. It's being played in Las Vegas. Yep, yep. I'm tracking all that, and I saw how these kind of teams are coming together. You know, following the news all week. So, you know, again, COVID instances of other teams just dropping out. But with the matchup overall, I got Kentucky as a very small favorite at a one point favorite. Um, and then overall t- points in the game, 142 and a half. I mean, you know, for a neutral site, it's always, you know, at that point, you're playing the dog. Like, you know what I love is the most about when I'm betting on uh, basketball is always for those home dog home dog teams. I mean, you're talking about fading you know, certain teams before big games or fading after a big game. But, you know, and I like that mentality. You know, a lot of people probably expend a lot of energy, you know, really working into those bigger games, you know, just from a mentality and just overall team perspective, you know, that they probably are fatigued a little bit, you know, to get down that path together. But ultimately, you know, in these bigger games, uh, you know, people are going to step up. I, but at the same point, it's college basketball. It's a very fresh end of the season right now. You know, we're about a month in. You know, a lot of these teams have only played about 10, 11 games at the most. Um, you know, from that perspective, I just know that people are still trying to get their feet settled, still trying to understand, you know, what their, you know, overall team offense is really looking like and team defense, how they're trying to improve in certain areas. And, you know, so it, it definitely makes it a little more interesting, especially at the neutral site territories where they're doing a lot of tournaments and such. And, you know, just really trying to build into that. But, you know, that's what I look for the most. And, you know, what I'm really doing my lines is I'm looking for definitely somewhere in the sweet spot of about, you know, these books, man, they have like, you know, 30, 40, 50 games to, to try and get right, you know, with college basketball. And they're not going to get every line right. So where I try to take advantage of is looking for those nine and 10 point spread differentials that, they just overlooked. They got the line wrong, in my opinion. You know, like I'm sitting here using uh, Ken Palm, you know, for my data and, you know, really trying to do, you know, the better projected defensive and offensive as we're going into these matchups. And, you know, and again, factoring a little bit of home and away factor when we really have it to our advantage. But for these tournaments where they're neutral sites, they don't have it. So a lot of it just becomes public perception of how they're going to weigh that line. And, you know, maybe a lot of people just want to ride Kentucky and the line might be like, you know, minus five or six, whatever. But, you know, it could be the opposite effect as well if everybody's really on North Carolina, you know, for, from a fan perspective. But, again, that's where I rule out the bias of, you know, public perception. And I just look at the number and go, all right, how quickly, you know, how much did, did the book get that right or how much, how far off are they? And I really take a look from that angle because – at that point, you not only have the better advantage of the dog, but you probably have a better advantage of a money line dog that's actually going to pay you out even more. So let's look at this game. So your model and everything has Kentucky minus one. Um, right. So with that being said, if it come like what is what is the range? So you're telling me if I could get North Carolina 
uh, plus four? Do I play that, or is that too small a variance? You know, I I actually do a variance totals like so when I do all my lines and I run them all, I do variance totals so I can actually see how I'm tracking my bets at a five point differential all the way up to as high as ten, and so anywhere between five to ten, there's a sweet spot, and it's actually been right around eight to nine points of a differential, and so that's what I look for when I'm doing my lines. So sometimes I'll run through these games. They might be very close, but a lot of those five-pointers, especially the five-point dogs, like if North Carolina was a six-point dog in this game, I'd take them, heartbeat, not even a question about it to me. Um, you know, but then if, you know, you find some of these other smaller off-the-cuff off games, like, I mean, like, if for instance, say we got, what, like, Creighton, um, and, you know, I actually got Creighton, they're, they're a home dog. Yeah, Creighton was on my against number nine yeah. Villanova, and you know, and and I don't mean to get too off, you know, beat from what we were talking about with with North Carolina and Kentucky, but you know, I'm I'm looking at them. I got Creighton as a one and a half favorite on my projection. That's like an eight and a half, almost to nine. You know what I'm looking at for my model to to where I get consistent wins um, with that. So, you know, Creighton's definitely one. They always play tough within their conference and. You know, they, they definitely play tougher at home. So it's like, yeah, that's a team for sure that's in good form, plays better at home. Also a statistic that I think a lot of people overlook when they're looking at a lot of these, you know, college basketball teams is that the home team is going to win almost 70% of the time. You factor that on top of looking at a projected number of, you know, almost a almost a two-point favorite for Creighton in my, due to my projection – and to me, that's a no-brainer. Take the points at home with the dog and, you know, watch how that game unfolds. See, that, that pisses me off because when, <laughs> when, I, when I made my list of games this morning and I started doing my capping, it came down to St. Bonaventure, who completely shit the bed, NC State, oh, yeah. um, Portland, and... Um, Ooh, I liked Portland. And, I think and, I remember them too. And and Creighton. Those are my games. And I dwindled it down. I and I locked in NC State and like a dumbass, I locked in Cr- the Bonnies because I expected them to rebound. Um, which is probably gonna be my worst bet of the year. Um so that kind of, that, so I'm a little pissed off right now. I talked myself out of Creighton. Um on the flip side of I that say, don't be dumb. Don't be mad at yourself about, say, Bonnie, though, because my line was exactly the book's line for that game. I still had St. Bonnie at two and Virginia Tech at two. In fact, that Virginia Tech, and don't get me wrong, that's my alma mater, so I'm all proud of them winning today like the way they did. But at the same point, like, I didn't have that being that much of a blowout. Like, yeah, at I, mean, all. That... I didn't bet on that game. <laughs> I mean, that was an ass kicking. <laughs> um, on the flip side of that, you have Indiana minus 13. That's what you said. So, yep. If you're telling me this opens up tomorrow, Indiana minus four, minus five, whatever, you like that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, for sure. At what point? Not even a question. So if it gets to like Indiana, what happens if it's Indiana minus eight, eight and a half? Is that too much? Yeah, that's too much at that point. I mean, you. what I would probably do, I'd probably still take the bet. Um, however, what I would do is just reduce my unit size on that game. Like, I wouldn't put a full unit on it. I'd probably be like, eh, it's, it's closer than I want it to be, but I still see them covering an outright winning 
So, you know, I'd probably just reduce it down to a half or a third. Uh, just kind of depends on how it takes out with the numbers that day. Okay. All right. Now, also, another game that I wanted to ask you about, and you know what? There's certain games I like to get a little criming about, like to get a little dirty. St. John's at Pitt, but this is being played at Madison Square Garden, which is kind of like the second home for the Red Storm. For St. John's. Yeah. For St. John's. Um, yeah. So this game's kind of interesting to me. I I want to talk myself into taking Pitt, but I wanted to see what your data said. So I got St. John's. I don't know what the line looks like if they have it open yet, but the uh, <clears throat> I got St. John's um, covering this by sixteen and a half. Oh, so you have you have Blowout City. Oh yeah. So you have okay now. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. I asked because then there's no way I'm gonna fucking take a pit. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can still take them. Depends where the line opens. You know, like I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't see. I'm not, I'm not taking a team just to cover. I'm taking yeah. a team that I look at covering and winning. Yeah. Because I only want to bet on teams that I think are gonna win. Like yeah. I'm not gonna try and. I, I hate when people have that mentality of, oh, they're probably gonna cover. I'm like, well, that's. That's not a great way of approaching that because then they'll probably get blown out. Oh, I agree 100%. Like, one of the guys that taught me, like, all the stuff, he's like, look, you never are betting a dog unless you think they're going to win the game. If you don't think they're going to win the game, there's no reason to be effing betting them. And I have the same exact mindset, so I totally agree with you 100%. Um, We talked about Scum. That's University of Michigan's nickname in my books. Um... They play Southern Utah tomorrow. Um, you know, I I look at this game. Now, there's no line out on it of course, yet because it's a little bit early. Michigan just came off their biggest loss of the year. They lost by 10 at home against Minnesota. They have Purdue-Fort Wayne on deck, so it's not like a look-ahead spot. I think it's just kind of like, hey, let's get right. You know, we're playing a big sky school. I would play Michigan at anything minus 10 or less. That's my thinking with how I'm looking at this game. Now, granted, I'm not as much as an analytic better as you are. Where do you have this this number capped at? And you said it was Michigan at who? Michigan hosting Southern Utah. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know what the line's going to open up at, but <clears throat> I got Michigan by nine. Okay, so, so we're basically on the same path. Tells me, something tells me that, you know, this line will probably open at, you know, maybe 10 or 12 or something like that. And, uh, yeah, right. it might it might show more favoritism, but I think it might actually be, you know, just right around that nine mark. But if it opens up at 10, you wouldn't play it then. That's what you're saying correct yeah okay. i'd leave it alone okay all right um the next game i want to ask you about and there is i there's not a line for this one but the last two ones i know there is a line um marquette traveling all the way 
to Xavier. Xavier has Villanova on deck at Villanova. This is the spot I love playing. They're coming off a win. They're playing Marquette, who just played UCLA, who played a bad first half, but they played a great second half. Um, Just a fade on Xavier conference game with Villanova on deck. Where's your projection on this? So Marquette playing at Xavier, I got them. I got Xavier at a minus nine and a half favorite at home. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's where I've got the line right now, sitting at a minus nine and a half. So again, depending on, I don't I don't see anything open no. that I can see right now. No, there's no, there's no openings on that. Um, yep. So, but. So basically what you're saying is if this is opens up, I see this probably open up at six or seven. You find no value on either side then. Correct. Okay. Um, I Matt, mean, if that opens six or seven, all that's telling me is that Marquette's a better better play. That's okay. what that's telling me. I mean, there's no value overall for me to make a bet anywhere because I'm not betting on a dog. Playing. I, what I would do then next, all right, so part of my process is, all right, how much of the line is in favor of the dog? But not only that, now I'm going to go look at their record. Have they been able to cover a number like this on the road before? Yes or no? And that kind of performance to me tells me whether or not I'd play that line in favor of Marquette. Otherwise, again, home teams in college basketball winning at a 70% clip, I'm, I'm sticking with Xavier. Now, FanDuel just posted Western Kentucky plus two and a half. So that's pretty much on par what you got. Um, oh, and they just posted Xavier minus ten and a half. So these are pretty much just on par with the data that you're 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 providing to everybody. Um, exactly, and and that's usually what the what the benefit is of doing projections like this, right? Like you get to see if my lines are close enough to the book, you know my lines are good. Right, like mm-hmm. if I'm coming up with the same similar lines as the book line, that's great. But when I'm finding those differences of you know greater than somewhere upwards of eight to nine, um, you that, know that's where you really get to hammer the book. That that's when you do the old Peter. What, what's the old school song? Peter Gabriel sledgehammer. That's when you break out the sledgehammer. Yeah. Um. That's, that, that's the ones that I would like to definitely put a little bit more on for myself for sure. Okay, and then uh, what What did you say Pitt was? What did you have Pitt pr- projected at? Uh, Pittsburgh at St. John's. Yeah. I had St. John's, I think it was a 16 and a half favorite. All right, because that yeah. opened up. Oh, oh, so look, looky, looky here. I am looking right here. Points bet has Indiana minus four. And you had it as Indiana minus thirteen. Yeah. So that so you're yeah. seeing huge value in that then. Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. Um the for next sure. the next one, one of the teams, high aspirations, they just beat Alabama, but prior to that, a little bit of a disappointment. Um we have Memphis getting five and a half hosting Ten, I think they're hosting Tennessee. Let me check to make sure this isn't one of those little holiday tournament things that are going around at this time. 
Um, Tennessee. You know, Looks like Memphis is at home. Yeah. Uh, it's at Nashville. Oh, Bridgestone Arena. Yeah. yeah. So that's a neutral site game. Where do you have that? I've got this one as Tennessee by two and a half. So that's my projection. So just, just entering these teams real quick, I'm seeing a projection of two and a half and a total of 140 in the game. Okay. So, again, no real value then. Just a. Just right. a now, the. the yeah, la- but what did you say the line was at? Did you, did you say the line was open? The line is open. Looking right now, we got an over under of 142.5 and, and Memphis yep. getting 5.5. Memphis getting 5.5? Yeah. yeah. I mean, in that respect, Memphis is obviously the more value play, right? As a dog. Um, you're, I'm showing, you know, obviously three, you're, you're getting three more points of the book, you know, to play Memphis. It's just not at a big enough spread for me to find value to make a bet and, and call it a solid bet. And same, right? The same with the total. My numbers at 140, they're saying 142. I mean, that's too close for me to call in terms of an over-under. So there's no, there's no value whatsoever. Um, there's no value in the game for me whatsoever, yeah. Just, just straight numbers, analytically. So now I need to ask you two more games. One of the games is probably one of the filthiest games on the board. We are going to go to Temple playing Drexel. Temple getting three and a half. Um, You know, a little bit of a filthy game, a little bit of an under-the-radar game. But as you and I both know, those kind of like under-the-radar games are sometimes we can really find the value just because there's so many bets um, on the board. So we got Temple hosting Drexel. What What's your projection on this one? Let me take a look. Drexel. Yeah, and you said Temple's a dog? No, we have Temple laying three and a half. Oh, laying three. Okay, yeah, I got Temple by minus two. Oh, so, okay. So it's basically... No, I'm, I'm right there. Okay, so basically no value there. Last game, um, arguably the game of the day, probably the game of the day. We have Gonzaga playing Texas Tech. Um, I believe Where? this game is at Texas Tech. Oh, no, it's at Phoenix, Arizona. Neutral? Neutral, yep. Yeah, I got Gonzaga. By how many? Gonzaga by by four. Okay, so right now it is Gonzaga minus eight and a half. That's the line. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That's that's one for me to look at. And actually, again, I would look at that and determine, you know, what's their neutral, you know, performance look like at these sites and, and how they play away from home. Because, you know, certain teams just are not good on the road, man. And they're just not worth that bet. And, and I don't know if that's Texas Tech demo or not. But, you know, that's that's what I would start the, you know, peeling back that ending layer for to make sure that that's worth, uh, worth the money. So Texas Tech on FanDuel is getting 8.5 on the money line plus 310. Me, I don't take a dog unless I'm taking the money line. Mm, Would you take yeah, the money line? I'm the same way. Okay. I would. I'd play money line, no okay. doubt about it. I do the same thing with NBA. Yeah. I play, you know, you know, certain people, you know, one of the statistics that I love and I think it translates between both college basketball and NBA 
is that, you know, most of these teams are going to cover within nine points. So when you have those lines that are sitting there, you know, at like five and six and, and whatever, yeah, sure. I mean, it's attractive to go ahead and take the points. And I know some people are putting down some heavy money where they're like, you know, the points matter for them. But, you know, I just see so much more value in the, in the money line. You know, you're not going to get – when you get those lines that are sitting upwards of 180 to, you know, plus 200 and up, you know, you, you want to take advantage of the book. You want to get that back, and you want to definitely have that kind of bet for yourself. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Now, um, now let's transition. Now we're going to talk a little NFL. Um, usually at this time of the week, I have five positions going into Sunday or this Sunday, Saturday, Monday, whatever. Um, right now I have one just because with all this COVID shit going on and key offensive players being out and whatnot, like how are, how, how is this factoring everything into, into what you do? Like, let's take a look at, um, We'll, we'll just I'll just throw out the Seattle. Like they're they're a team. Like no one really is out, but Lockett's out. Lockett's kind of a key part of that offense. Like how does Lockett missing factor in? Do you ground grade him? Do you keep him the same? Like what what do you do with that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have to take a, a holistic picture when I'm looking at these games these days. I mean, it really sucks the impact that COVID's having across all sports right now um you know and especially with nfl i mean we're talking about such a tight market right like i mean these lines are already really close um and then the biggest thing that you want to look out for though um is the knee-jerk reaction by the public the second somebody's out right i mean i think the things that we're finding across a lot of these nfl games right now is the fact that people are you know seeing the perception again lines are based on public perception so the second they hear someone's out, people are hammering it the other way. And so it's throwing these lines just like a, a freaking spiral that nobody can really anticipate. But, you know, that's why, again, like I stick is trying to stay unbiased as I can with these numbers because, you know, overall, I already had um, favoritism for Seattle. The fact that one of their bigger offensive weapons is going to be sitting out. I mean, I didn't have them winning, but I definitely had them covering, you know, within five. Uh, that their line was at and I don't know if it jumped to something else at this point but because I haven't looked at it since I ran this like you know a couple days ago on Tuesday but that being said you know that that's what I have to look for now these days right like even even one of my boys hit me up today he's like man I you know I was putting forward a teaser he's like I feel like I got to back out of my bet because he's like you know you know we're two three days away from Sunday and half these teams are sitting and the other half, you know, you don't even know if they're going to actually get a game or be rescheduled. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely some advantages going in with COVID to beating line movement, but the way that the knee jerk reaction is happening with the public line movement, is just too much for me to, to try and take advantage of like a bad line with the, the game. So I'm waiting right up until that day of, um, looking at it in the morning, really assessing, you know, how many offensive players are actually out for them because team defense is still going to be team defense. You know, they're, they're still going to come with their strategy. So I'm still taking a look at those DeVoe rankings of, like, you know, how those teams look against the pass and the rush. And, you know, overall, from a team standpoint, it stays the same. But, you know, from the offense, you know, the situational factors really have to start playing a little bit of an impact on your decision of, 
you know, examining the play and making sure that it actually makes sense to put down the money on it. Now, you look at this, I mean, this movement of this Browns-Raiders game has been insane. Opened up, Raiders getting three. After the Raiders shit the bed uh, against Cleveland, it went all the way up to six, six and a half. Then the COVID news broke. It got all the way to the Raiders laying four and a half. And I am looking right now. They moved the game back to Monday, I believe. They just announced a couple hours ago. And now it's back to Browns minus one. Like, I, I feel like you can't do anything, like you said, until right before kickoff on Monday. You... Yeah, and and I saw that same news coming out just before we spoke too. I saw like three games get moved to Monday, Tuesday, and yeah, both Monday and Tuesday basically. And um, you know, and then that's and that's you just described it right. Like news came out, Baker's out. They had their backup right, and now the backup's got COVID. Now he's out, and then they're like, you know, so they're trying to make it, you know, enough to get one of the QBs back, you know, by by the time Monday comes around. But that's who knows what that's going to look like. So, you know, and I just, yeah, I can't, I usually try to take advantage of these both lines days ahead in order to beat line movement. And right now I cannot beat that line to your point of those point spreads. And that's, and knowing why the line is moving is the most important factor into people betting, right? Like you just described it. I bet the point at which the Raiders became a favorite was at the point at which both those starter and the backup Keenum were both ruled out with COVID. Then at that point, you know, now they're saying, oh, we're going to push the game back, give give opportunity for these offensive players to come back from COVID, you know, maybe hopefully test negative and then, you know, be able to play. And now all of a sudden Cleveland's playing another, you know, minus one line or whatever for the, you know, for right now. So I think that'll obviously move again. I think it's too, it's just, it sucks that we're this, this far out and I can't even make a bet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, personally, I like to bet these things as early as yesterday. Yeah, and yeah, now too. I'm like, I don't even know. Um, you know, like you're having to wait to last minute. You don't get it. You get too much sharp movement to where the line comes down so much to where then all of a sudden there's no value. Oh, my God. I was so hoping for a seven because I did this whole thing. Like, I, I like offensive linemen. I'll be the first to admit it. I like offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I did this big hole. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be so proud of me, David. I did this whole statistical <laughs> breakdown how when Conklin plays over 70% of the snaps, how the Browns score 13 more points a game, how Chubb averages 30 yards more rushing a game, and how the team averages, I believe it was like 46, 48 yards as a team more rushing a game. Because I really feel like he yeah. kind of sets the table and everything. You would have been so fucking proud yeah. of me, dude. I had equations. I was pumping shit, dude. You would have been fucking proud. Um, but now it's like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I missed the seven with the way my head works. I feel I can't bet this game now. Right. You know? And, and it's definitely something to still look out for, right? I mean, I never had anything on the spread. I had something on the total for that game, actually, for Raiders and Browns. And interestingly enough, I had... I had the over in the uh, Chiefs and Chargers game. I had that actually when the line was at 52 for the over-under early in the week, and it jumped as high as 54, and they obviously still covered it and went out and over that. So, you know, my projection was correct for that game. Um, but the, uh, 
But the fact is that I still had to wait up until that point of the day, the day of, to actually see like who's in, who's out, and and everything else. And I missed a two point differential in my total um, in order to be able to bet it. So where I would have had a nine to ten point advantage on the book, I only had about a seven. I only had you know like something to six. So like I I lost points to myself mm-hmm. um, on that total. And I and then at that point I was just in my own head and going no, I'm going to stay off this. Like, um, you know, like now I don't feel comfortable betting the total because, you know, it's already jumped up, you know, two points. And that's obviously where the public money was going. And I, you know, I got a little scared in my own head of seeing that and going, well, now I'm, now I'm only betting with the public at that point. And now I don't like betting (laughs) so much with the public in the same aspect. Don't get me wrong. My motto is always faith the public if I can. <laughs> Which I'll tell you what, Biden is too, and you know the public had a great week last week. So, uh, um, yeah, well, it, it, the it, only week though, yeah. the only week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there was there was one a couple like week five, maybe week four. There was one other week too where they had a good week. Um, now let me ask you this: um, the the one bet I have locked in, I locked in okay. now, and I'll explain it to you why. I'll lock in, I locked in the Colts minus two. Only bet I have locked in so far. And this is why. And then, then after I explain it, you tell me what you have. Um, I locked in, number one, I'm not a Mac Jones believer. I think, Mac, to me, Mac Jones is kind of like my, my two-year-old nephew when he builds a Lincoln Logs thing. You're like, oh, good job. But it's like, you know what I mean? He's not really doing anything. Um, I really don't, like, it's screen passes, dink and dunks. I really think, like... He hasn't really done anything, and I'm not going to do any. I'm not going to take anything away from the Bills game because I'm just going to throw that out because that was shitty weather against a team with a legit defense. That's number one. Um, number two, yep. I feel that New England's defense is good, but I feel they're weak up the middle, and that's where the strength of the Colts' offensive line is. And Jonathan Taylor will be able to run up the middle. And lastly. You have an outdoor team with, that struggles playing indoors against fast teams, and this Colts team is a faster team. I really think that there's a huge athletic matchup with them, and the team speed of the Colts, they'll be able to take advantage of against this Patriots team. I have the Colts locked in at minus two. Do you have any action in that game? Are I playing a bad number? What's your thoughts? So I actually, I kind of love that you got, I'm, I'm assuming based on, when did you take the bet, I guess is my question. I got the Colts minus two, I believe, on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Okay, okay. So I'm, I love it for the simple fact that the line movement is already in your favor. Mm-hmm. That line is already, that already moved up from two and a half to minus two and a half. And I've actually got this at a projected line of minus five in favor of the Colts. So... You know, so personally to me, I got them covering more than three. That's a no-brainer to take at minus two. Um, you know, I like to look for about a three to four point differential when it comes to NFL spreads these days because they are such tight lines as it is. Um, so, you know, that that's a good bet in my opinion. And to your point, you know, overall, um, I'm looking at, you know, a home – I mean, the interesting part to me is that, you know, I see the Colts with a top five, both passing offense and rushing, both passing and rushing offensive rank of top five. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it totally supports what you're saying about being a faster team, being a better team on the ground. Um, you know, they, and they are, and they're showing that. Now, the interesting part is that the Patriots, on the opposite, on the flip side, they're sporting a top two rushing defense. So I'm very interested to see which one comes out on top, either the Colts offensive line or the Patriots defense from that regard. Um, but I think all the numbers, when I just look at it from a holistic point of view, um, it's going to be a great game. And honestly, I think, you know, laying the favorite at home is a really good bet for yourself. I love taking the home team as under a field goal or anytime I get points. Um, for the, sure. the last game I want to ask you about is obviously the game of the day on Sunday. My Detroit Lions getting 13, hosting the Arizona Cardinals. Are we going to get are, are, are we getting win number two or are we getting just humiliated yet again? So, <laughs> I don't know what to make of Arizona right now. Um, I, you know, obviously they're a great team. They're, they have the best record, I think, in the NFL. Um, and but here's the thing, like Detroit, ever since they got their first win, has been very competitive. Um, now, granted, they've got some injuries. Those are things that I need to take in consideration. Um, I, I think they're playing like they're, I think I just picked up their, like their third, third string running back or something like that um, mm-hmm. for my own fantasy playoff purposes. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I got them covering the 13 and a half. I got this line projected at minus three and a half. So, but also it's Arizona. Like you were talking about one of the most dynamic quarterbacks, you know, in the game. Um, this is one that I do have as an examine the spread because of Detroit, but this line hasn't moved. Um, it's still sitting 13 and a half, I believe. So I am interested to see where that line goes come Sunday, but from an overall DeVoe standpoint, I wouldn't touch Detroit. <laughs> I, I personally would stay away. They're in the bottom tier across the board with their rushing offense, defense, um, passing, and um, rushing offensive ranks as well. Everything's in the bottom 23 and lower. Um, so I, I just have a hard time trying to get my head around that when looking at a team like Detroit. But, you know, that's just me because, again, I'm trying to find – what's the situational angle to support the number that I'm looking at um, from an overall, you know, unbiased perspective, if you will. Okay. All right. Now, one more game. I'm sorry. I forgot to ask you about this. Now, for me, this is inter. This is just urban Meyer line movement. Opened up at three. It's been bet all the way up to five and a half since urban was fired. Mm -hmm. Um, like what, to me, like, and I'm looking at the VOA right now, it's kind of interesting when you look at the Texans' rankings because they're all dog shit except for their uh-huh. defense, especially pass defense. But they, you know, it's not like Jacksonville has a good pass offense. But is that going to change with now Meyer not being a part of the offense and the game plan? Like, it, to me, this is... There's a lot of questions in this game. And I was wondering, like, analytically, how does Meyer not being there affect what you do? Or does it not affect what you do? It doesn't really affect what I do. I mean, you know, but it is something, again, it's a situational angle. 
right? Like I do look at those at, at, at the end of the, at the back end of these numbers. So to your point, you're right across the board. When you look at it, both these teams, DeVoe across the board for them is dog shit for both of them. I mean, the only thing that is in the Houston Texans favor is being more in the top 20 of rushing defense. Um, and then similarly for Jacksonville, better, uh, passing defensive and passing offensive ranks as well. Um, so it's just kind of like, well, you know, how does that how does that translate to the actual game itself? And again, it's more home team advantage than it is anything else. Um, but honestly, it's just I don't find value in this game. I to your point of those unknowns of all right, they lost their coach and it's going to in, in influence you know the play calling and everything else. You really don't know where this team's going to go, right? Like I mean, it's just. There's too much to say that you could understand game script ahead of time based on what you've seen in past performance over the last three to five games because all that's out the window with the head coach being gone. Yeah. So it's like you have nothing to really model off of past, you know, past performance at this point to say that these numbers are actually going to look as accurate come Sunday. So from my from that standpoint, that's one where I don't have to overthink it. I don't ever try to overthink it. I just go. Well, coach is out, team morale's down. You know, maybe they got something to prove, but maybe they don't show up at home anyway and they still lose. But now, you know, Houston has looked stronger. I mean, personally, in my opinion, um, not, you know, outright stronger, but, you know, now they're starting to find consistency. They're like, screw it. We're going to go with Davis Mills at quarterback. We're going to start these guys. You know, we still don't know what's happening in their backfield a little bit. I mean, those are all those unknowns where, for me I don't try to overthink I just say that's too much variable for me I'm out I don't want to actually you know try and put myself in that situation where it's just not worth it when you're looking at two (laughs) kind of dog shit teams in my opinion I mean it's kind of funny like I'm looking at the DVOA right now the Texans have the 8th best pass DVOA defense which is just astronomical to me when you think about how bad they are it's really crazy they're that high up. You know what I mean? It kind of speaks to what Lovey Smith does. And I'll tell you what. When Lovey Smith was taught, was um, in Chicago coaching, and I used to live uh, next to the Jewel by where they had their practice oh, okay. facility. Uh, Jewel's the big store here. Practice facility and some – and um, somehow, like, I'm, I, I, I always live next to bear players or bear coaches, you know, you know something – you know what I mean? It's I have no idea how it how it is, but I do. Um, and he let me cut in line when he what he like because he forgot something. So ever since that happened, I've been a big Lovey Smith fan because I I hate it when people don't let me cut in line when I have one fucking item and they have a whole cart right. full of shit. Right. But you know what? <laughs> but you know what? Lovey let me go in front of him, and ever since that, I've been a Lovey Smith fan. <laughs> That's Ever awesome. since that, that's all you need to know about Lovey Smith, guys. He's that guy at the grocery store. He lets you go in front of him if you have one goddamn item and he has a car full of shit. And I respect him for that. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> David, I want to thank you for coming on, my man. Why don't you tell everybody how they can get in touch with you if they have more questions about the way you cap and the way you bet games. And if they just want to like follow you on social media. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. And again, always a pleasure talking with you, Eric. I mean, I really love 
how you look at things versus how I look at things. Uh, again, I, I try to have more unbiased lines, you know, so that way we can actually evaluate these lines, take a look, and hopefully I'm steering people in the right direction. You know, end of the day, I mean, outside of somebody like, you know, St. Bonnie, where we both didn't bet on them, right? And <laughs> oh, I bet I, 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 I know you did. I, I bet I'd say Bonnie. <laughs> I know, I know. But, um, you know, I, I definitely wanted to just, you know, mention, look for me on Instagram, you know, alpha underscore analytics 21. I absolutely am always open to, you know, messages to talk about any of the lines that I've got and any lines that you're looking at in the future as well. You know, happy to talk through those. Definitely don't mind the conversation. I love sports. I love talking these lines. I love looking at them, especially because I try to project so far out that by the time, you know, game day comes, you'll I'll see line movement and just trying to update the lines themselves. And, uh, and to me, that is already a telltale sign for myself of whether or not I should be better on that team as a step one but then as a step two you know again do yourself a favor try and take a look at these you know go a little deeper in these thoughts of looking at home records away away records and, and just kind of overall team performance because if a team's not performing you don't want to bet on them right like you actually want to make sure that you're putting your money in a good spot to make a good wager period end of the day that's what we're all trying to do find the advantage on the book take them down and you know make a good play because end of the day you're also betting against your peer i mean you know you're you're always going to find somebody that's got a different solution to yourself and and i just love talking that through with people to really to give them a, a better perspective of where things are going but uh appreciate the time eric thank you very much and uh you know i always look forward to doing this with you again in the future oh sounds good man definitely have you on again i can't wait to talk a little bit more and hopefully uh hopefully indiana crushes that minus four tomorrow my man uh you have a good holiday and we'll talk soon my friend So that's it for today's podcast, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Before I sound off, I need to touch on this whole Urban Meyer thing. Um, Urban Meyer's a piece of shit. He's an entitled middle-aged man who got by bullying kids, and he wasn't used to getting his own way. He was used to getting his own way. When you go to coach adults, coach grown men, you need to be able to motivate. Um, Yeah, he can't motivate. He legitimately cannot motivate people that unless he strikes fear in them. Um, I have this story. One of the friends I work with was coaching this young kid when Meyer um, was at Florida. Uh, Meyer wanted him to go there. Kid said no. Meyer was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to him in person. Went there, talked to him in person. Kid still said no. Meyer was absolutely dumbfounded. Absolutely dumbfounded that this kid would look him in the eyes and say no. End of the day, entitled, piece of shit, middle-aged man, I'm always right, couldn't accept that he couldn't bully people into doing what he wanted to do. Throwing your coaches under the ground, not giving James Robinson enough carries, fucking shaping up Trevor Lawrence to be the biggest draft bucks in the history of the NFL. In the history of the NFL. It's sad. I mean, I'm glad he's gone. You know, it's better for the franchise, better for all those young guys. Um, That's it, guys. If I don't see you next week, Merry Christmas. I'll try to be back. I should have a podcast out on Thursday. Look for me. Oh, my God. I'm going to be out all over the place. Thursday. No, it's not Thursday. Saturday, 4th of Ditches. Sunday, 4th of Ditches. Monday, 4th of Ditches. Tuesday, 4th of Ditches. And Thursday, 4th of Ditches. I'm 4th of Ditches. You guys are going to be so motherfucking sick to me. Uh, Brutal Day. 
on the basketball court Friday. NC State, St. Bonnie's didn't get it done. We'll be back at it today. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Uh, until next week, guys.